0: What's up, everybody? This is Phil Rogacki. And I'm Jared Abergina. You're listening
1: to Two Tree Guys Podcast. All right, everyone, we're here um, at ArborFest, Asheville, North Carolina, and we're still here. Man, we're still here. I thought we'd, it's been a long week. Well, it's been a long week for you because you started at
0: Arbor Expo. Some yeah. of us just got here on Friday.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. True that. So, um, thanks for joining us. We're here with our good friend Dustin Goodman. You're on Two Tree Guys podcast. Your guest host Eric Palacios, yes, sir. good friend and colleague Dustin yes, Goodman. And like I know you, I I, I know. Well, we met here we in
0: 2019. Met- well, I'm, I first saw you in 2018 at the Waxahachie Comp, mm. comp but uh, that was my first competition ISA experience. And I just see some guy in like bright red pants and a blue shirt dropping trees after the comp. And I'm like, yo, who is what's going on here? <laughs> and then fast forward, and I met you at ArborFest.
1: Yeah, yeah. We've had a good uh, friendship, we've learned a lot from each other. How did you get into this? Like, like, how did you get? Like, I, 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 think I know a little bit, but I don't know like the, like the, the story, story, like the official story, you know? So, um, we're gonna make a movie about you, so we need the official story of how man, you got into uh, it.
0: Okay, so the way <laughs> the way this started for me is, um, I've worked mm. off the ground. You know, I towed chingles when I was sixteen. Uh, I did Christmas light installation, coming in and out of the military, and so I was always comfortable working off the ground. Yeah, but I had never seen uh, an arborist. I never saw a tree climber. There was loggers in my area, but I had never saw anyone climb a tree with a rope. So I never knew you could make money doing this. Um, 2011, I left a job at AT AT&T and I went into inside industry, You know, gonna climb the corporate ladder because I thought that's where all the money was at. I couldn't work in labor like I had been my whole life and and make a decent wage. Mm -hmm. Um, I took a job at AT AT&T in summer of 2011 and ended up hating life. Uh, I was about really? to turn, Yeah, dude. I, what I was, were you doing there? Uh, tech support. I was level two tech support for their UVerse system. So after you got thoroughly angered by whoever you spent six hours <laughs> on the phone with, uh, they would send you to me and then we'd start trying to solve problems. So you'd be talking to somebody on the other side of the world and then you'd get me in Dallas, Texas, ready to yell at somebody. And I loved the problem solving aspect of it. I, I loved the customer service aspect of it, but I did not like sitting in a box like this and answering calls all day like i found myself they paid great i was making 20 something dollars an hour in my early 20s i thought that was where the money was at and uh i just started hating life i found myself looking out the window at the landscaper like oh my god i wish i could just go mow the yard and make this money like i'm so bored um finally got tired of that job and left it in 2011 uh took the next job at the farmer's market tossing pumpkins for $8 an hour, and I was absolutely so much happier. I was in the Dallas Farmer's Market in October tossing pumpkins. Uh, Got a job. Uh, My friend Andrew Cooper gave me a chance to come out and do some Christmas lights in Tyler, Texas with an electrical company they were working for. I'd been doing Christmas lights since I was a teenager. Uh, No big deal. Showed up thinking we're just going to run lights on houses and bushes like we always did. Uh, the company had a master electrician that owned it and he also installed all kinds of different electrical products. So he had me digging trenches. So I showed up to climb on a roof and I ended up with a shovel in my hand. I'm six foot three. I ain't never liked digging. I'm good at it, but that back gets to killing me because I'm kind of an intense person. So over time, I just, uh, I did not like that either. I show up in Tyler, Texas, two guys show up in an S10 uh, Jorge and Ronaldo Campos—they both pulled up, hopped out of a little S10 with a rope and harness, walked up to a tree and started climbing. And I was like,
1: I want to do that forever.
0: Like, what, what, what are they doing? They're getting paid. And remember, my mon- my number was 25 an hour. I was making 25 bucks an hour. And then I went out and I was making 10 with the shovel. And I was like, what are they like? What are they getting paid to do that? And he's like, oh, that guy's making 22, and that guy's making 25. And I was like. I want to do that forever. (laughs) And what I was seeing was not what we're doing here at ArborFest. It was not the competition network. It was... It was the grungy work. It was two under, one over taut line on 16 strand. We were hip thrusting everything. But the biggest thing was we were installing lighting. We weren't climbing with spikes. I wasn't making cuts on trees. I was working for very high-end clients, installing a very high-end product, and we had to carry ourselves a certain way. But that did not bleed over into the safety aspect of things, right? They were climbing the same way in 2012 that someone was taught in 1968 with just a little bit better rope. Mm. So, I immediately ended up with a Cheryl catalog to order uh, some rope from. And I'm like, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? And why don't we do this? And they're like, oh, we've been doing it this way for 50 years. It's like, yeah, you used to check continuity on the wire with your fingers. And now Fluke has a multimeter and you use that. I don't want to test continuity with my fingers anymore. I want to use these tools that make my life a little bit easier. Um, fast forward a couple of years, I bounced around the country, worked everywhere from the Florida Keys to Northern California on that taut line, hip thrusting with a Klein tool belt, and put,
1: putting lights in trees.
0: Putting lights in trees. I wow. got to work. Uh we, Synthetic moonlight is what. Honestly,
1: they call it. Uh, that's tree work is hard, but that's fucking hard work. Like I've put some it's, lights on trees, and it's not easy. It's a different
0: way of going about climbing and working a tree. It's a different than, at height. Yes profession you know like pretty much (laughs) because we were working with electrical conductors right so they wouldn't let us climb with spikes obviously spiking around electrical wires could be bad and they figured out that it was easier to teach tree climbers basic electrical skills and get them certified as apprentice electricians than it was to teach a journeyman electrician how to climb a tree yeah
1: and so he ain't fucking having it right he makes more money on the ground than what he does on like in a tree, so like, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't either.
0: But they would pay tree climbers. Like in those days, I was seeing North Texas wages 12 to 15 an
1: hour for a climber, right? Doing the production work. You're I, talking about back in the day. That you, was good money, man. Was I was making money. seven bucks an hour then, you know? Exactly. Working and, for a utility. So
0: 2014, I find, well, 2012, I found landscape lighting. Uh, it was re- November 11, I saw a climber. Uh, by February of 2012, I was in a tree. Mm-hmm. But there was no... <clears throat> Training program. There was no instruction. His climber quit. And I had been bugging him, like, oh, I want to climb. I want to climb. And they're like, no, white guys don't climb trees. And I'm like,
1: <laughs> white what? man can't jump.
0: Yeah, yeah, white man don't climb trees. He was like, because it, it was a dominated industry by a bunch of guys that all came from the same area, wanawato A couple of, like an uncle came over and he taught all his nephews and they taught all their cousins and they dominated <laughs> this one little niche. Well, and think it's like no
1: one really else wants to do it too right like well the, like those companies
0: just... those companies were exploiting those people in, right in that way like right the, the companies knew that they could tap this labor network and then use that and they're like no nah, you don't want to do this i'm like dude are you serious they just ran up a tree i never knew you could do that with a rope i'd so like what to company that. was that uh the first company was gleason and company it was an offset pass me that pen. yeah, yeah i got you but the company that you're looking for is john watson landscape illumination John Watson. Yeah, they're they're still based in Dallas, Texas. They're still installing lights all over the country. At one time, they had offices all over the country, worldwide operations, like the the original founder of that company, they called him Mr. Moonlight. He was in the 60s and 70s, was doing all the Hollywood stars. I got to work all over Southern California, the Hollywood Hills, uh, Bel- like places that someone from East Texas would have never seen. Right. Because I climb stuff. And I could not believe what this was allowing me to do. It, it allowed they paid for travel, there was per diem. That
1: still sounds like a cool job. I don't know. <laughs> it, and now
0: being a comp climber, yeah. I wish I could have done that as comp training because what you see, like if you get a beginning climber and you're training them in the training world, they're not gonna be out making three inch reduction cuts, right? Not in their first year. They're not they're gonna be in the middle of the tree working removals, working pruning, doing stuff that they that's within their skill set. Well, in lighting. Everything was, the designer put a light here on a three inch branch at seven degrees and we had to go off of an AutoCAD blueprint. It was super specific. Everything was set up to where that this client would see this the illumination without the source of the illumination. So they drove us and flew us all around the country, and I got really good at it. It was pretty much painting light on a black canvas, but it allowed me to go out to pieces of a tree that, oh, excuse me, that I would have never otherwise seen. Like I was climbing on a taut line, having to work on vector forces because I'm I'm sub 200 now, but I was 240. Like I was hip thrusting. Really, do, 240?
1: 240. I can't imagine you being 240.
0: Yeah, I could throw me now. But uh, Tiffany was pregnant at the time, so I was getting baby weight, and I was, ah.
1: I was doing truck and trailer
0: tree work and hip thrusting every day, right? So uh, my shoulders, my arm, I was a lot larger, and the closest guy to me in weight doing lights was 140 pounds. Wow. So I'm 100 pounds off of this guy before I strap a tool belt.
1: So you, you, you do that for a while. Um, you've been doing the lighting, you've been already traveling, you start getting into tree game. How, how did you finally make that jump into like tree work? Like who was the, it climbers, with?
0: the climbers that I, uh, were, w- was working with at John Watson, many of them, like I said, they were all cousins and friends and brothers and they would, we'd be out there and he's like, Oh yeah, doing side jobs. They'd go on the weekend and do side jobs. I'm like, what are y'all doing? Oh, we're going to go cut down that tree. Well, how much are you going to make to cut down that tree? 500 bucks. What? You're going to make 500 bucks. Looking back, dude, they were underbidden stuff.
1: Oh, absolutely. Drastically.
0: But when you're making 540 a week, 500 in a day sounds like a rich man's world. Right? right? So um, I had no business climbing and cutting. Uh, I should not have been in the tree with a chainsaw, but my climbing skills did not show these guys that. Yeah. Um, I didn't make the jump with like, I went from a very professional company in the sense of the way they serve their clients and the way they ran their business and the way everything was structured. W2, health insurance and everything per diem. And then I went, into Craigslist tree work. And um, I left that company, I was tired of traveling. So I was two weeks out, two weeks in or three weeks out in one weekend and constantly on the road. Uh, my oldest daughter, my youngest daughter was born and I told them when Tiffany was pregnant, uh, they made me pay for a flight back from California when she had to go to the hospital. Mm. and. I let them know like, Hey, my wife's pregnant. She won't go to the doctor, but she calls me and tells me she's on the way to the hospital. I told her I was on the way to the airport and I left thousand Oaks, California in a work van and I started driving towards LAX and they're like, well, we can't get you on a flight until tomorrow. I was like, well, this company Amex says I'm going to get on a flight today and we'll figure it out later. And, um, they let me get a flight and then they waited like three paychecks until I had like a 96 hour, like a 96 hour week and like an, 80 something hour a week i had like so much overtime and they took that 500 dollars flight out on the heaviest overtime check i was going to have that month but we didn't discuss it they just pulled it out and i was like okay well from this point forward as long as she's pregnant i will go anywhere in the four state region of texas that i can drive if i have to get on a plane i'm not taking the trip if i can leave in my vehicle so they covered my vehicle cost at that point they would pay my gas and my per diem and i would drive my personal vehicle to mm-hmm. any job in oklahoma arkansas and texas uh Fast forward to December, Nina was born, and I knew I wasn't going to be on the road anymore, and Christmas lights came back into play. Um, I didn't do trees that winter, mostly because it was winter time. I was in Texas, and my skill set did not dictate that I kept busy during the winter, right? I was one of those expendable resources mm-hmm. that stayed busy in spring and summer. Uh, I ended up going back into Christmas lights, back into Craigslist ads. I started answering. Like, I had a three-city circle. You'll know this triangle. I lived in Dallas. But Austin was three hours away and Houston was four hours away. So between Austin, San Antonio, Houston, and Dallas, I would find an ad that could use a climber. And I would run that 1500 truck all over the state. And I did that for a few years. Fast forward a little bit, um, I was working with a old logging company in Texarkana, Texas, where I'm from. I was contracting while I still lived in Dallas. And what got me into the industry, I would say what I would consider, like the group we're in now, um, I walked up on a job site, and a guy had a sticker and it was a heart and a tree. I was like, dude, I like trees, what's that? Like he's like, oh, it's treestuff.com. And I was like, okay. Who so, was that dude? Uh, it was, his name's Gary Seaford. he's a flight medic. And he was a climber, climbing spikes, one of the best removal climbers I had ever worked with. He still, he taught me how to negative block. He taught me how to do the things that allowed me to stay safe, but he just didn't wear a lid, right? And then after I headbutted him a little bit and showed back up, now when I do see him climb, I think he's a nurse at this point, but the man, would do uh he was a flight medic tech on a helicopter so he would do graveyard shift on a helicopter as a medic all night and then come do a few removals in the morning with his cousin's company it was just
1: like every other crazy tree guy yeah right
0: (laughs) i wish i could get him around and do uh the rescue stuff right because he was saving lives all night responding to car wrecks and then just busting up removals in the morning yeah and he would come get the stuff started and i would finish out the day for him but uh we were able to he showed me, He's like, oh, it's treestuff.com. And I had already been, the Cheryl catalogs were the basis for where I'm at now, right? Yeah,
1: like, like those, I mean, they're still cool. Those first ones were, like, cool as hell. It was, like, advertising for the industry almost, you know? like was my Gary first. Gary Thacker yeah. on that main one. I saw him yesterday. Did you see him? Yeah, here? I got to talk to him a little bit. Yeah. Uh, he
0: was, I got to hang out with him at uh, Geezer's this I year. was
1: like, bro, I'm never really start struck by anyone, but, like, I, can I have your autograph dude? He's it's- like, dude, I don't do anything for another minute. I'm like, still like, I, I think I have, he was one of the first dudes I ever hung up on my wall. You know, that Cheryl had that, um, picture of him with the camp saddle on there see real badass doing like a badass
0: i didn't get that one the first poster i got was something
1: tree stuff was giving away in 2016 it was like kevin humphreys on there i, I don't man, i don't even remember the K Hump.
0: they were they were giving them uh they were giving them like for the orders i ordered 20 of them or something and it was just giving them to kids every time we so, go to the job so, site
1: so you you get there and was Gary too. Uh, his name was Gary Seifert. Yeah, so yeah, Gary, so Gary got a, a, tree, stump got a tree stump sticker, under, and right?
0: he's like, oh, "That's where I buy my equipment." And I had already been using the Cheryl catalog, which, by the way, I got to thank Toby Cheryl in person this weekend for. Everything that he did in those catalogs that allowed me to have the basis for the research that allowed me to get here. So right?
1: much info. So I learned a negative so much dude, info. So the diagrams, The cartoons and that, everything. That's stumpy,
0: bro. That's why I got I started growing my beard out.
1: I was like, I'm gonna be a lumberjack. Like that I'm gonna guy. be a stumpy. Yeah, bro. <laughs> and I so had. So Gary gets you like into this and you start doing removals with him too more, and then yeah. you start breaking out more into doing well, it was like, the stickers, right? And so I look up that website, tree stuff.com, and they had
0: uh, because this was 2015, I wasn't wearing a helmet. Like I started climbing trees in my army work boots, uh, my army ACU pants, my boonie cap. That was my like safety squint, bro. Like I'm <laughs> sitting there. I had my plug-in headphones in for ear pro because I could listen to my music and answer phone calls. And that's how I would cut. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um, I see this sticker and I start going to this website and they had, you know, this is 2014. They had a website, dude, or 2015. So I found this event called Crash Course, and uh, it was $200. It was a weekend of training in Indianapolis, Indiana, and, you know, I, I learned the hard way. Crash Course sounds like the best thing for me. Wow. So I, I bought that. Who put that together? Tree stuff, dude. But well, who it. would teach it? So that was the best part. I showed up, and I had no idea who anybody was. So I show up in my first event in blue jeans and Ariat boots and a tank top. Like, hey, I'm from Texas. Uh, Nick Bonner had his first Ninja Arborist challenge. Oh! But Nick Araya was teaching splicing. Eric Vega was there. But the, the cast of trainers was Christian Michael Schultz, oh, wow. Otis Sisk, oh. Jared Abergina, um, Nick I already said that, Rich Hattier was talking single line. Taylor Hamill was doing rigging forces. You walked Dude, into the t- uh, mama Tim, load. Tim Ard was doing a felling class. Matt Cornell had his saddle out there talking to people and walking them through stuff. Wow. And Otis Sisk did job site safety and communication. So my first three classes were Otis Sisk, Christian Michael, Schultz, and Jared Abergina my mind got blowed and peeled back. I was yeah, like- I
1: can imagine. You're like, fuck, why have we been doing this like this? Well, what like, it you showed me- You probably went back to like the lights and everything. Yeah, like, well, you
0: know me, right? So I'm yeah. obviously a pretty intense individual. I have a slightly above average <laughs> amount of energy. And I showed up at this place and I would typically try to tone myself down in a professional setting, right? Because my energy level had been a liability for me growing up. I was always, go sit down, you're being too loud, right? <laughs> right, you know what I mean? Like, I, too much energy, go sit down somewhere, All right? right. Um, and I show up here and I was making a conscious effort to make sure I didn't impose, like I have an overbearing personality. So I'm kind of be calm a little bit, right? Um, I show up and I get into Christian's communication class and Christian Michael Schultz is talking with his hands and he's animating and he's engaging us. And I'm like, I'm sitting
1: here trying he's to be quiet. just as rowdy as you yeah, and jumpy and, I start, and quirky and, I start and weird.
0: unbuckling the muzzle and I'm like, oh, I can, I, it's okay to do this here. Like I take the muzzle off. I'm like, you can be excited and a professional, Yeah, I was like, I might've found the right spot, man. That's like, awesome.
1: Who who, who do you think was like, in all that, who do you think was a good mentor to you that taught you, that inspired you in this career to to stick with it, to stay with it? Who was one of those person that dude, really I, helped you make that decision to say like, you know what? I told you when I saw those first two guys go up
0: a tree, there was nothing but I'm gonna do that forever. <laughs> who were those guys? Yeah, Reynaldo Campos and uh, Jorge, God, I can't remember Jorge's last name. Um, I, I, yeah. And those guys, like I said, they were like, hey, white guys don't climb, right? So, um, (laughs) they were from, uh, John John Watson's. Yeah. Yeah. John Watson. They (laughs) were, they worked at Watson. And Ronaldo's still doing trees. His cousin, Moy Chavez, like Moy, if I could get Moy out to a comp, man, he's like 110 pounds soaking wet, has the body type, and just did crazy things in a tree. But this guy would like undo his rope. We didn't have lanyards, we had a short rope and a long rope.
1: Yeah. The guys I worked with that taught me would foot lock. Yeah. Up there without, any means of securing, and they would hold their footlock while smoking a cigarette, to tie their knot, So and then me, they'd be ready to roll. Yeah, Moy and them didn't do that.
0: <laughs> uh, I blew my rotator cuff uh, years ago when I was in the army and I had some injuries to my shoulder. So when I got into this, they were throwing steel snaps on a 16 strand with a monkey's fist, right? And so a couple of those, the shoulder don't like that. So I found a throw ball, found the big shot, uh, started using that. Yeah, and I funny. was the same way, my first, my first job as the climber was in Houston, Texas. We were out by the Galleria, super tall pines. We were installing lights, we're not using spikes. First limb is 50, 60 feet. Maybe I'm giving that a little off because I had a 40 foot ladder and yeah, I couldn't yeah, yeah. come close. So I put my 40, this is how we did lights. We put the ladder up against the tree, climb to the top, tie around the tree, and then set our rope as high as we could go. And these guys would hip thrust and advance their knot. And I was like, ooh, that sucks. So I did what you're talking about. I wouldn't do it on the doubled over line. I would clip my steel snap in and I would unsecured foot lock up the rope. And then when I got to where my hands would cramp or I'd get tired, I would lock my feet, tie it off, stretch my hands, shake it back out, untie the knot again and continue up yeah, and then go back (laughs) to the work. Uh, Because I didn't have anybody saying this is how you do it. I had pictures and the climbers, the language barrier and stuff, we weren't, we didn't get a lot of teaching done. Um, and at first it was because they didn't want to teach nobody Yeah. because guys showed up. I want to climb. I want to climb. Yeah. And they get up there. And now they got to damn near rescue them. Right. Because they're, they're sitting there and they're froze up. And that's what they told me. You're going to get 50 feet up and freeze up. And I was like, you don't know me. Let me try. And fast forward. I saw that. I said, I'm going to do it forever. And that was before I knew you could get paid to cut and climb. I just knew I wanted to be off the ground and working. Yeah
1: what would be that one tip that you have for someone a piece of uh, a tip from the tops is what uh phil's been calling it you know it's uh it's a tip from the tops of the tree you know what is one of those um tips or just encouraging words of encouragement that you have for for Uh, for someone either like like the gospel right the gospel (laughs) Someone's hearing it for the first time yeah. or someone's hearing it for the last time, right? You can either be someone who's barely getting into know Jesus or yeah. someone that dies tomorrow. And this is yeah. the last time you heard it. So what would be a good piece of advice that you have for, for 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 someone starting new, for someone thinking about leaving? They're tired in their truck right now listening to this podcast. They don't know to fucking keep going with your industry or not. Um, wherever you're at look around
0: it's sometimes like the ISA stuff is card the network, show up. Show up everywhere. Like yeah. if so the way I explain it, if you want to learn about war, you go where the warriors gather and they talk about the weapons that won battles, right? Mm-hmm. You show up here and you get to sit around Like at an expo, right? You get so many different people. You show up. Dude, the best return on investment that I've had has been coming out to an event. Arbor Fest was my first event. My first comp was Jambo 3. But it all started with me showing up because I'd sit and look at the internet and I'd look at the stuff on Facebook and I'd see it and I was in spectator mode. Get out of spectator mode. Show up. Because when you show up, you'll find out that you may look at these people like there's such a huge difference between yourself and them. But I have found out the more I'm here, the more I found my people, the more people I'm around. Like you may feel like you're the only person dealing with this level of anxiety in this one thing. Mm -hmm. And then you find 10 people going through the same thing because we all bond through this common ground. So whatever your views are or whatever you're dealing with, you show up out here, you'll find your people. And it may not be the people you came to meet, right? Like I brought my wife with me, Tiffany on this one. And she's, you know, she knows people from the comp scene. She's like, is such and such going to be there? Is this person going to be there? I'm like, don't focus on who you know, show up and see who you can meet. And she made a friend that she's going to have for life now. And I just show up, I show up everywhere that they gather and I make sure I'm there to not miss it. And if you can stay late, like I I never show up early. I'm. You know, I'm probably going to be running in at the last minute, throwing a Hail Mary and sliding into home. But I never leave early either. I show up late because like at these events, you're it's hard to get here. Sometimes Dude. you
1: go through a lot like people don't understand how much effort is put into this. So, yeah, I mean, it'd be like you're saying, you know, get get. Get involved, like show up. Like, even if it's like to volunteer, or like, even if it's like us that you're running at the last minute because you're, you're able to find some if time your in your battery schedule. Battery show up. Like, yeah. if
0: you're tired of dealing with the idiots you're dealing with at work, if you're yeah. tired of dealing with the customers you're dealing with on the job, if you're working for the city, if you're trying to get better as a climber, show up at a comp, show up at an expo. Yeah. But if you're just, your battery's low, man, and you need to charge that up. Like, come hang out with people, come, come, come
1: to the Arbor Fest. Dude, come, this come is a family reunion, th- we're just not related. Yeah. Like I come like, <laughs> I, like I, come, I
0: come, to see everybody and what I see is everywhere we go, right? We leave and I stay late. Yeah. I'm always there a day after the event and I'm talking to the people in the cities where we're at, right? Yeah. And they're like, man, when are y'all coming back? These tree
1: people are amazing. Yeah, that's a big one too. Um, and, uh, pe- Yeah. Everywhere we go and there's conventions, I hear that from the people. Um, dude, thank you so much for, for being here with us. I know Arborfest is wrapping up. We still got a few people that we got to, you know... Oh yeah, contact yeah, dude, and, I will talk all day, microphone with. or not We'll keep it going <laughs> But uh, we're doing dinner tonight Uh Sounds good, I, I'm
0: doing something tonight So well, whenever when said we probably go uh, back to that restaurant It's 131, went to, right? Main, Main 131 Or something Let, like that, it's a couple let's miles get over Jason
1: wanted to hang out, let's talk to Jason Let's talk to a few people and like, let's hang out Awesome, let's well hang out.
0: Last thing, if you haven't been to a comp Show up, if you haven't been To an expo show up. But when you get there, get involved. Don't just stand on the sidelines and be a spectator. Yeah, like you said, get
1: away from being a spectator, is what I put down. Get Get out out of of spectator mode, man. Like you you respawn, show up,
0: and you'll be amazed at how much you learn and how much you grow. Or just if you're looking for an opportunity in this industry, like so I'm just making it real quick. I met Eric in 2019 at this event. Fast forward a month or two, he reached out to us. He had a project in South Texas. And he needed a little bit of help on it. He brought myself and Andrew Cooper down there with me and we get started on the project. Well, if you know, Eric, you know, Eric moves around a lot, right? And we're down there, we're working. And Eric all of a sudden had a class he had to go to in Boston. So Eric's like, all right guys, I'm headed out. See you in a couple of days. And he takes off and goes to Boston and he comes back. Job got finished. They had to wrap up some stuff. Fast forward a little bit later. I get another call. Hey, you want to come out here and do something? And we, just, it all
1: starts like that. It's
0: like, I just said, yes, I was like, yeah, I'll do if I can. And then I get a call. 2020 COVID pops off. You know, this was all 2019 built some momentum, built some momentum, kept in contact, ran into each other at Expo, spent some time at Pittsburgh. COVID popped off. I flew to Hawaii. Uh, I was out there working for three months in Hawaii. And while I'm in Hawaii, Eric calls me and he's in Alaska. And he's like, oh, yeah. Alaska, baby. He's like, you want to come to Alaska? I'm like, dude, I can't fly from Hawaii to Alaska. Another
1: long-lasting relationship with with one of the guys there, too. Yeah, Fairbanks Stump Grinder is a buddy (laughs) on.
0: And uh, I get a call in September. So I told him no then. There's only one of the couple times I've told Eric no. And I get a call in September. Don't have anything going at the moment. He's like, hey, what are you doing right now? And I'm like, man, working. He's like, well. Can you come to Alaska? I was like, yeah, dude, I missed it in June. When are we going? He's like, I'm here now. That's
1: right. The first one was missed. Yes. Oh, that's right. I'm like, what what did you say no to? I didn't really remember. I said, Well,
0: I didn't say no. I said, not right now. Not right now. Because I was leaving Hawaii that week, and I had to, I'd been away from home for three months. I had, Dude, I had a yard that was almost as tall as me. Just
1: goes to show you, though, like, wanting to do something, coming here, like you said, just showing up, there's always going to be someone that believes in you, that needs help you know, that needs an opportunity. And um, everybody gets
0: something different, right? When I first showed up, I was here for the classes. There are people who are here, who are seeing span rigging for the first time yeah, in their life. Yeah. At this point, I'm here, I'm collecting people. I'm not grabbing stickers and buffs.
1: I'm grabbing yeah. my friends
0: up and giving them hugs. So oh, that's
1: awesome, bro. thank y'all
0: for having me, man. Uh, Thanks we, for
1: being here, man. I need a
0: power hour, bro. Cause I, you know, we just got, <laughs> so we just, we just tipped the
1: iceberg. You need to come down to Cali. We'll do a power hour with Bob at the main show. We'll have you uh, uh, an hour, an hour and a half. Like th- those shows are long. Well, I'm gonna have to get out there and work with you. Eric's been trying <laughs> to drag me out to Cali for a minute. Let's now. do it. Well, thanks again for being here. You're an awesome friend, over, you're an over, awesome over colleague. Uh, really, really, really appreciate you. And uh, we're still gonna be sticking around here at Arbor Fest. Maybe get another interview before we leave. Stick around. It's been great. You're here with your co host, uh, Eric Palacios. Reaching out.